0: You are listening to Ditchfin Vox. Ditchfin is an online media group covering the digital transformation of financial services. Our podcast comes to you twice a month from our base in Hong Kong, Asia's leading financial center where East meets West and developed markets meet the emerging consumer. Go to our website, www.ditchfingroup.com so you don't miss out on our in-depth daily stories on how your clients and competitors are changing their business models across asset management, banking, capital markets, and insurance. Your podcast host is James Lindsay, and this is the voice of tech innovation in finance. This is DigfinVox. Welcome
1: back to DigfinVox. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Michael Gores, the Chief Information Officer at Standard Chartered. Michael joined from Daimler AG in 2015, where he was most recently Vice President and CIO, with responsibility for operation of all of Daimler's systems and the management of IT projects globally, Dr. Goritz is a physicist and engineer by background and progressed through specialist research and design in aerospace to the automotive industry and now financial services. This podcast was recorded live in Singapore from the FinTech Festival.
0: This is Jane from Digfin. We are in Singapore for the annual uh, Singapore FinTech Festival, which is bigger than ever. Out of the roughly 40,000 people that are here to uh, talk all things FinTech, we were uh, able to... uh, extract, I guess, for 30 minutes of his valuable time, Michael Goritz, the Chief Information Officer at Standard Chartered, who is based here in Singapore but has uh, broader responsibilities. Uh, Michael, thank you for joining us at uh, at Digfin's podcast. Oh, thanks, David. Um, so one of the big speakers on the stage this morning was um, was Group Chief Executive Officer Bill Winters from S- Standard Chartered. Um he said that we're just really at the beginning of, uh, of banks uh, and, and I guess the broader uh, community uh, creating digital financial solutions. Um, and he said that banks are still spending a lot of their time when it comes to innovation about making the status quo work better rather than trying to rethink what that status quo could look like. So maybe as the CIO at, at Standchart, you can give us a little insight into some of the realities that you face and what are some of the goals you've got.
1: Well, the realities to start with are the ones which you all know. We have traditional bank systems which work in a in a in a traditional way, uh, which means there are various functions which reach out to the customer and ask for information. The future of banking, though, looks totally different. Uh, when you look at your screen time, and I just checked my own, it's uh, three hours and 40, um, uh, two hours forty one minute per day mm-hmm. uh, on my mobile phone. We have to integrate the financial services into that screen time as seamless as possible. We have to be there when you use a banking services, but we shouldn't be
0: there in order
1: to avoid intrusiveness if you don't expect us to be there.
0: A lot of uh, companies, not just banks, uh, have been approaching their idea of digital as, oh, it must be an app. Um, At what point does that not work anymore because consumers or corporate clients uh, don't want to have too many apps on their phones. So how do you kind of figure out how to um, engage with your clients without having to kind of repeat what everybody else might be doing, which is just put an app up and and hope they come? The app is one aspect of the story
1: because you, you have to have an interface to your customer, but this interface, as you said, is not only it doesn't materialize only by the app but it does uh, does materialize by the usage of the mobile phone as such uh, where we can be a parent in uh, in a in a chat uh, where we integrated our our keyboard uh, key banking um, uh, uh, facility where you can just while being in one of one of the messaging apps you press a button uh, you can do a financial transaction and you go back to messaging uh. so the the integration into your digital Sphere uh, must be as seamless as possible
0: where where along the competitive path uh, are you and your team? Uh, you know in terms of realizing that that vision that you just laid out
1: We are uh, recognized by a lot of competitions as one of the leadi- uh, leading digital banks uh, Obviously there's always uh, the one or the other competitors on a local area which is a little bit ahead of us on um, uh, the right. advantage we have once we have a solution deployed in one country, uh, we can deploy this in all our footprint countries,
0: uh, which is pretty big. What's the, f- let's say, the Finclusion opportunity for Standard Chartered? Because you are an emerging markets bank primarily, uh, and uh, you have footprints in a lot of countries where there's still vast numbers of unbanked people. Um, how, how, are you, how are you going about trying to turn that into a, a business model? As a matter of fact,
1: um, there are two segments which are most susceptible to um, mobile banking. The one is, as you just mentioned, the unbanked mass affluence. Mm -hmm. Uh, People in our footprint countries which are getting more and more wealthy because they have a good education, they enter a job, and now they they have banking needs. And the second um, uh, segment are the millennials uh, who actually grew up with digital tools all over the places and who only want to have a virtual bank uh, to satisfy their virtual needs. We are addressing both of them. Uh, In Hong Kong, as you uh, know, we applied for the virtual banking license and hopefully we will be awarded one from the HKMA. In Africa, uh, we built the bank in a box, uh, which took out all all physical interactions in the banking interactions and and put everything you need uh, for doing banking on the mobile phone. Uh, This solution has been rolled out in Cote d'Ivoire and is rolled out in other eight African countries
0: in this and the next quarter let's talk about let's take that one first because we're based in Singapore uh, today and you know what is the difference between rolling something out like that in in African countries versus say in Indonesia or Philippines Um, are we dealing with different very different structures in the marketplaces uh, different corporate customs or you know why why start in Africa as opposed to Southeast Asia for example as a matter of fact these markets are not that much different.
1: Right. Um, we, we have chosen uh, Africa because we have the best combination of e- existing bank solutions uh, and uh, the need from the, uh, from the markets. Um, but nothing stops us from uh, doing, uh, going with the same uh, solutions into other countries. As a matter of fact, um, we have adopted some of the solutions to the specific market needs in India, for example, um, we have the specific um, requirement for doing very fast onboarding mm. uh, by the use of the um, uh, the, the, the governmental uh, databases. Uh, yeah, Aadhaar. right? And we use that to to make a seamless experience now for our customer, which
0: reduced the onboarding time from from seven days to 15 minutes. Wow, and. Uh, how effective are these solutions in countries where the governments don't have a national digital registry? Uh, this obviously puts a little bit of a challenge uh, ahead
1: of us because we, uh, there is a need for uh, submitting physical documents. Uh, what we are doing is we either scan the documents, we uh, seek for approval how uh, the verification of these documents can, do- can be done by video sessions, uh, which eliminates uh, the walk to the branch. Right. Um, and
0: we pair this with uh, OCR and machine learning capabilities to understand the content of these documents. Is the biometrics, the um, optical character recognition, these other technologies, are they at the stage where everyone has confidence in them?
1: Um, from a technical point of view, yes, we do.. Yeah. Um, uh, but confidence on the customer side has to grow. Uh, and, and that's, this I guess is from experience. Exactly. So in, as I said, um, the trust is a series of fulfilled expectations. And uh, the more and more
0: it works, uh, uh, the more the trust from the customers uh, will grow. I want to get back to trust uh, in a few minutes. But before we go back to that, because I think that's very important, um, I want to talk about, you mentioned uh, virtual banking, for example. And I think just in general, open APIs, faster payments, um, and and in some markets, uh, virtual banking licenses are creating a a massive, uh, I guess they're setting the rails uh, for a huge shift. Uh, but what do you think that's going to look like from an incumbent's point of view? Um, you know, what will be the areas where banks such as Stanchart will be challenged, and areas where you think you guys will have a natural advantage to play? When, when, it, look to, when, it, when it comes to banking services,
1: there are essentially four essential banking services. Uh, the one is storing money, transferring money, um, uh, lending or borrowing money from the customer point of view, and creating wealth, right? Um, because we have the advantage that most of the, the people trust us, the money, so storing money is, is solved. So we have to be as flexible as possible on the payment side. You know? I want my funds to be as fungible as necessary you know, in my daily needs, and therefore APIs gives us a, a good advantage of being even faster you know, in or better in um, helping
0: my customers to pay for their bill or whatever they do. Yeah. You know? Banks have been always competing against one another uh, but with um, faster payments, open banking and so on, it now allows for technology companies to come in in a way that is, uh, is perhaps more impactful on the competitive landscape. How, how, how ready are banks to have not just traditional banking competitors, but, but software development and companies and, and, and IT infrastructure type companies that are now going to also be competing on a more level playing field? Um, we are absolutely comfortable
1: with all the suppliers and uh, companies which are out there, and we have uh, uh, chosen to
0: collaborate as much as we can, you know, if it raises a convenience for our customers. What does that What does that mean? Because um, again, I'm going back to uh, your your group CEO. I think there was a point about collaboration uh, is is important, but um, still, a, still, I guess a learning process for a lot of big institutions. Um, what's been some of the the ways, maybe one or two specific anecdotes you could share about what you've done working with either with fintechs or non-financial parties to advance um, digital banking for your customers. Let me give you two examples.
1: Uh, the one is a, a, a very nice example of one of the fintech companies we have been working with. Um, the, the name is called Instabase. Mm-hmm. Um, we came across them um, on our trip to the Silicon Valley uh, back in March 2017. Yeah. actually. When I came into the room, uh, there was a young chap sitting there in shorts and t shirt, right. and I thought, uh, well, um, he was just helping out. Uh, it yeah. turned out that he was a founder and CEO and right. CTO of the company. Right. You know? Welcome to California. <laughs> yeah. We became big friends. Um, yeah. um, uh, um, and uh, uh, Anand is his name. He's very, very, uh, he was just immediately engaged with with Charter because he saw a lot of potential. Huh? We invited him for a proof of concept. Huh? Uh, three months later um, the proof of concept was successful and today he's alive in production yeah, in helping us uh, bringing down the turnaround time in the onboarding process for commercial uh, and business uh, customers that's one example of fintech collaboration the other of non-traditional um, how could I, uh, of large tech right. companies uh, collaboration is Alipay mm-hmm. uh, so Alipay approached us uh, with the requirement uh, to enable them uh, to do um, international remittances from their Alipay Hong Kong wallet uh, to Philippines. Um, actually, another uh, store value provider, GCash. So we are now there as a liquidity and FX provider uh, for the two entities, and we use blockchain in order to facilitate uh, this international transfer
0: in actually 1.4 seconds. Uh. And what's the, I mean, obviously 1.4 seconds is, is probably the sel- the sales point, but w- why enter this as, a, you know, how did you choose these this particular program with Ali and the Philippines, because you guys, of course, already transmit money to uh, to this market. So what was the, the the business logic for you to do this? Well, the business logic was
1: uh, pretty much um, if we don't disrupt ourselves, somebody else will do. Yeah. And um, we were actually chosen by Ali because our technical implementation capability uh, was superior to all of the other banks. Uh, so they were surprised by the speediness uh, we were able to implement that one. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so to our listeners, if you're hearing a lot of background noise, we are at the FinTech Festival, and so we're doing our our best. But it's a, it's a noisy, busy place. Um, let me ask you about uh, Hong Kong specifically. You guys announced that you're doing the virtual. You're going for a virtual banking license. Now you have banking licenses in Hong Kong. Standard Chartered has been there uh, for like 150 years or something. Um, what do you need a specific virtual banking license for if you can already do uh, any kind of digital banking under the standard, uh corporate uh, business? First of all, by applying for this virtual banking license, it doesn't
1: mean that we don't do uh, mobile banking on our traditional channel. So right. that's, that's uh, uh, taken for granted. But the virt- virtual banking license gives us a specific possibility um, to, to satisfy a segment which does not want to go to the branch whatsoever. Uh, and this virtual banking license caters for that um, for that customer experience, right. and therefore uh, we, we decided to apply. And how do you handle the branding around that? Um, as a matter of fact, we, we will have um, a separate brand mm-hmm. uh, appearance, um, but it will be apparent that this is uh, stand, uh, backed
0: by Standard charter Bank. And- We've been talking to some people in this space about the potential for people to partner up uh, with, with a variety of different, uh, whether it's tech companies or companies from mainland China. Is this going to be a, you know, from your from an IT perspective, does this work best as a standard chartered project or are you trying to bring in partners to bring something different to the, the table in Hong Kong? Um, we will most probably
1: bring in partners, not so much for the technical aspect but for the marketing and customer access
0: aspect right. of it. Okay. And data, Um, Bill Winters on stage this morning said that, of course, we all know that data is super important to the digital economy, um, but Winters' uh, point was that data is often, when it comes to banks, uh, too focused on internal data and sometimes misses out on the opportunities in the wider world. Now, of course, banks are repositories of vast amounts of data, and I think they have uh, correctly been trying to be more efficient at breaking down their internal silos. But what, what's, where are you um, in your, your quest to be more efficient and, and, and make better use of data and turn it into something meaningful? Um, as a matter of fact, uh, driven
1: by the regulatory requirement around uh, BCBS 239, which is a, a new regulation on, on risk management, um, we have been uh, collecting all the data which we have internally in a bank and into a data lake. So we went away from traditional data warehouses and have just pushed everything into one big data lake. And did you build this yourself or did you work with vendors to help make it happen? We built that um, by and large by ourselves but Mm -hmm. obviously with some um, uh, helping tools uh, from outside. So today we're at the point that um, 95% of all our data is um, uh, collected in that data lake, uh, 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 End of day, right. uh-huh, and we are going into stre- uh, streaming real-time services uh, going forward. Um, which so right now, it's
0: still kind of a batch process.
1: It's uh, a batch process right. at the moment, um, but for for various applications and uh, going forward for, for the whole uh, data lake, it will
0: be a streaming uh, streaming
1: yeah. capabilities. And,
0: and how do you decide what uh, business lines or internal services to prioritize? That's that's the point. We we said okay, let's take all the data into the
1: data lake. And now every information requirement is catered for by the lake. We, we had a, uh, a pretty heavy uh, heavy work to do in the first two two years, but now since this work is done, uh, we can actually satisfy the, the information needs of, of everybody who comes along uh, much faster than before. Um, one application is all the REC. The regulatory, the regulatory reporting, filings, reportings, yep. filing reportings—they change all the time. Yeah. Uh, but because all the data is there, we can satisfy them at, uh, at a very high speed. Um, but there are applications which satisfy the customer needs, um, which are more and more
0: uh, becoming important. Uh. Uh, also, this morning on stage, Ravi Menon from MAS. Uh, kind of gave a, an interesting talk where he wanted to showcase not just successes, but also learnings and failures, or perhaps failures that they can learn from. So one was a KYC utility mm-hmm. that the MAS had been working on with some banks to try to figure out could it work. He said the technology did work, but the business model did not. It was just not economic to carry out. Um, and he's looking for, hopefully, new ideas to take the same idea forward. So you know, you're you talking about you know filings and, and compliance. Um, you know what has to happen to really make this at a at a market level to, to make KYC and some of these other things become uh, a lot easier to for everyone to, to deal with in a in a more cost-effective and way and in, in a way that's better for the customer KYC is a
1: is a lot of data gathering mm-hmm. um, and, and obviously the customer is disappointed to see that uh, he has to deliver the same data to all Everybody the banks he's dealing over with and over and over again Um, The requirements from each bank is a little bit different because each bank is in a a different regulatory environment. Um, While we are headquartered in the UK and dealing in our footprint countries, other banks are maybe headquartered in the US or somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So therefore the requirements are very similar but not totally the same. Um, And this leads to the the conflict. Uh, where uh, why uh, to do this uh, to the fact that scale is not fully there uh, uh, if you do a, a kind of a bank wide or right. industry wide utility however um, since the the whole game of kyc has has been increased uh, tremendously over the last uh, 6 7 years uh, there is some confidence that we are now reach altogether uh, KYC level, uh, which is more and more common. Yeah? And maybe a little bit later um, uh, point in time, uh, a few years out, yeah, we might go to to more industry solutions. Right. Okay. But still Take ways the, off. It's it's still not there. Uh, but the the advent of APIs you know, with um, much better um, way of storing. Um, Data in the cloud with uh, individual production, right. blockchain might help. You know? So if you put this all together, you might come up with a
0: solution uh, which then cater for um, industry-wide utility to a certain extent. Right. And I think um, I want to get back. I promise we get back to the issue of trust. Uh, and I think this is obviously an area where banks potentially have a, a new role to play, um, mm-hmm. which is safeguarding data. Um, and I, I think you must have been thinking about this. What What is the what what are the steps that you guys are taking at Standard Charter to to prepare the I guess to prepare the, the technologies to prepare the teams or the business models uh, to 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 be in the data trust game because banks have always been making sure they're t- protecting consumer data to the extent they can but but I think we're entering a, a different kind of uh, use or, or idea about uh, uh, data as a as a resource to be to be protected. Yeah. Let me dissect this question into two
1: two levels. Um, the, the one is actually the, the passive protection of the data, which is our cyber preparedness and cyber resilience. Right. There's absolutely no question that we put every endeavor uh, in place uh, to protect ourselves against um, uh, illegal access from the outside. The second is, what do we do with the data? Uh? And here, our the belief is that transparency and consent um, is the, the one, uh, are the two elements which are very very important to our customers. If we tell our customers what we do with the data and they, these, they, they see the benefit of that service, uh, they will be
0: very likely to consent uh, with the usage. Uh. Yeah. Do we need regulatory protections around that process as well? Do I we need new ones for data or are, or are the existing regulations around this adequate? Well, um, the, the regulations
1: Across the footprint countries uh, are very diverse. Right, there are countries um, like uh, the European countries have been very, very active in um, uh, opting or uh, uh, increasing the, the data protection laws. While other countries are a little more relaxed on that one, um, we follow the highest standards uh, because we believe that the highest standards will proliferate uh, in the rest of the footprint uh, pretty soon. Okay, um,
0: last last question, just on a personal note, Michael, um, you know. Uh, people in, in, in your role are learning all the time. You have to be very mm-hmm. adaptable to, to stay on top. Um, just one or two things that you've learned lately that have just been uh, that, that you'd like to share that have been really cool. Wow! <laughs> what did I learn? Um, I
1: I actually, I'm confronted all the time uh, with this technical stuff uh, which the people are confronting me. They say, oh we have to use this and that tool, uh, uh, what can we do about it? Uh, do you agree? And sometimes I have to admit I'm not very familiar right. with these because when I did programming they were right. around. Yeah. So I pretty much uh, um, hang around uh, in my free time on Wikipedia and, uh, or, or Stack Overflow and, and see what this really is. So just recently I looked into Kafka. Um, so what does it help? Kafka is a, a streaming or messaging tool which has been in the open source. Uh, so I looked into it and, and
0: I tried to understand what my guys are telling me, right. so that's one example. Yeah, yeah, I have to do the same sometimes, uh, <laughs> one of my reporters will ask me something and I'll have to pretend I know what I'm talking about and then I go look at, Investopedia, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right, so Michael, yeah. thank you so much for uh, joining us on Vox. it's been a pleasure and good luck with all your projects. Oh, Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay.
1: Thank you for listening. I'm James Lindsay, and when I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm the Commercial Director of Digiming Group. If you enjoyed this podcast, please listen again and share it on social media so your
0: friends can find it too.